it is Sunday night. It is the Full Gear Post Show. Ben, I gotta tell you, I'm a little bit late because I had to stop and refuel the DeLorean because we went into full gear on an empty tank. Well, and I, I don't blame you whatsoever because as we were just talking about before we hit the record button, ladies and gentlemen, um, Elio and I were commenting on the fact that this build to, to this show was absolutely um you know, lacking by and large, to say the very least. I actually thought the build was terrible, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and and the go-home show reminded me of a WWE-level go-home show for a major pay-per-view. Um, but, those, but AEW go-home shows are even more important because there's only four uh, AEW pay-per-views on the calendar, so... So if those shows are weak, it really doesn't bode well. So, but with all that being said, AEW Full Gear last night was so much better than I had anticipated it being, um, based off the build and and even though the card looked impressive on, on paper. Um, I had my own reservations about it um, as we went over in the pre-show. Um, but um, we're going to get into plenty of stuff, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, because of the fact that this is a uh, pay-per-view post-show, uh, we'll remind you, in case you're new to this show, that um, we are going to go through this entire card um, not just the high points or low points. That includes the pre-show. Um, so we are only doing the actual pay-per-view as well as wrestling roulette at the very end of the show. So um, it's a very focused show um, to cover everything uh, that happened last night. So make sure that you're nice and refreshed. And you have your beverages at arm's reach because we are going to have some fun tonight. And Elio, 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 you know, as much as as much as I love doing these shows with you, I am so glad that we did not have to go live at midnight last night. So am I. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh. So I see we get into this uh, kick. Now, I I missed the zero hour because, uh, okay, last night, again, I was like going up and down my, uh, I was babysitting because my, I have my brother here from Michigan. So right. I was babysitting three kids, two adults and one child. Now, is that Joe or Paul that lives Joe, in Michigan? Joe. Okay. So okay. I was babysitting two adults and one child. Okay. The well, adult, well, the other the adults being kid mom and kid dad because uh, <laughs> my dad once watches Italian Idol, so yes, it was something like American Idol. So I had to hook yes. up, I had to hook up the Amazon Fire Stick and set him up there. Oh, so was this the same one your mother didn't like, or is this a yeah. different Fire Stick? 
No, no, this is, they, they, they bought two. The one that she had me disconnect with up, is upstairs in the, in the room she watched TV in, and the one that my dad has is downstairs in the family room, ready, okay, ready, to, ready to connect at any time. Okay, very cool. He's like, we need to switch once in a while. I'm like, why? Why do you switch, right? Because then the batteries will, then the remote will die out. I'm like, we well, don't use remote. Take the batteries out. I don't know. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's what I was doing last night. So it was kind of hard to focus on the PVU, but I missed the zero hour. Well, luckily for you, I did not. All right. So um, the first match... I did see like Clip Denhausen has a new character, a new gimmick. I don't get it. He still looks the same. Well, well, remember how he he had this very nice, very evil gimmick. Yes. Well, now they're 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 switching it up to just the very evil side of it. Oh, okay. Because so, I, I so saw his, was... I saw his entrance. He was carrying like teeth or something to the ring fang or whatever. Yes. Okay. And, then, and then he he poured it into the opponent's mouth mid match, and then knocked knocked all the teeth out of their mouth or whatever the fuck. <laughs> okay, what? Well, uh, we'll get into it um as we get down to that match on the pre-show. But um, so let me take the lead on this since you had to go back and forth throughout the evening. All right. Um. So we'll get you started nice and easy. The first one was um, Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends versus uh, R- Rapongi Vice and uh, the Factory. Um, yes, yes. I I just I oh and and of course uh, Danhausen was also partnered with uh, with. Uh, with um, Rocky Romero. Jeez. Ten man tag team matches. Not enough for eight man. Ten man. Yeah, and typically typically I hate ten man tag matches as we've gone over. I don't like six man, eight man, ten, uh, ten man matches generally mm-hmm. because usually there's just too much going on and there's, it's just too hard to focus. And, and with a situation like this, um, you know, I believe this match was set up on Rampage the previous evening on Friday, um, which I did keep an eye on out of the corner of my eye because it was um, a uh, the final show before we got into the big pay-per-view um, that we're reviewing, so I felt it might be pertinent to take a look at. But this, this match was not pertinent. This match was fucking useless. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why this match was on the card. And that and that's no disrespect uh, to any of the um, competitors. It's just that, you know, when, when, I don't care if it's a pre-show or, or the main card. When it's a pay-per-view, you know, the the Participants in said pay-per-view, um, you know, need to have been featured on TV on a consistent basis in something that made sense 
And the last time we saw anybody involved in a factory was the former um, Troy two, two Dimes Donovan, a.k.a. Cole Carter now in AEW when he was pretending to be the fake thing in some of the worst <laughs> segments I've ever seen in my entire life. And 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 this this nerd um, that I'm that I'm whose uh, review I'm using is just you know he he's like you know oh that part was funny blah 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 whatever but you know but he's like you know he so he reads this match as C but then he goes on to say. This was a great choice to open the night, and Danhausen coming in for the pin was fine. It was all about having fun, and they did rather, and they did rather well in a smart opener. No, no, no. That doesn't, no. That doesn't make sense. Why? Why do you say something like that but you give it a C? I don't understand. Yeah. That, okay. See. See. If you want to have this match, that's fine. But have it on. Fucking rampage! You don't have it on the pay per view. Mm-hmm. You know this does not need to take place. This is the okay? kind. Of, these are the kind of matches you see in New Japan, and you can't get away from that. I, I can't. And then, oh, oh my god! I you see. I have, and I have my own Twitter account pulled up in it starts, prepar- It's starting fans using- in preparation for this show because. For a lot of these matches, I gave my immediate reaction and posted them on Twitter. And I, I wanted to read some of these to you. Right. You're, you're getting my immediate reaction to this. And the next match on the Zero Hour was just enough to make my head explode. And hear, and hear me out on this. Now, wait, this was uh, Ricky Starks and like Lance Archer? No, this was... Sorry, no. and Brian Cage. Sorry. Yes, this was Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks, and what and what my uh, co-host is alluding to, and I don't blame him. Um, the previous man on Rampage, Ricky Starks went one on one with Lance Archer to determine who would move on in the uh, in the AEW Heavyweight uh, Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Uh, semifinals to, deter- to determine who would go on to 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 face Brian Cage. But we're doing things ass backwards because shouldn't the finals be on a pay per view, not the semifinals? But but, but, but that, that, that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like, but but even I'm gonna I'm gonna argue right. So so I'm saying to you, even this shouldn't have been on the zero hour show and even though even though this was the semifinals of the, of the of the tournament this should have been on the pay-per-view because it's a tournament to determine the number one contender for your biggest title in the company why the fuck isn't it on the pay-per-view and then Let's talk about the competitors in the match. Can someone explain? And and this is where my Twitter account comes into play. Okay. Uh, and 
and hold on, I'm I'm pull I'm pulling up my my tweets from last night. Excuse me. Um, so going going down the going down the list here. So I said, can someone please explain to me why Ricky Starks and Brian Cage were on the pre-show? Ricky Starks of all fucking people were on the pre-show, and and you know. Brian Cage looks like the second coming of Scott Steiner, but let's be honest, you know that that guy's a lot more athletic than than Scott Steiner. And Scott Steiner was a freak in his day, pardon the pun. But it, but it's just um, you know, both of these guys deserve so much better than than the pre-show. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have you're going to have this on the pre-show, but then you're going to have a match that you booked Wednesday on Dynamite, a triple threat match for for two titles, you know, on the main card. And you're also going to have Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose on the main card. Okay. We'll get we'll get into that in just a minute. I'm I'm skipping ahead, but um, but believe it or not, believe it or not, folks, I did enjoy this pay per view. But I have to I have to call bullshit when I see bullshit. So so that that left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but um, to round out the pre show, we have um, Eddie Kingston. Versus June Akiyama. Now, didn't this match take place on Rampage? Uh, no. no. I, I, thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it would take place on Friday night as well. No, because that was a tag match featuring uh, Kingston and uh, Ortiz. Or- Ortiz versus... Um, June Akiyama and, and, and a, a tag um a, a tag team partner whose name I can't recall at the moment. Kanosuke Takeshita. Um oh shit. No, no, I don't think it was him. Yeah, it was I, him. I I, I was uh, I read it here on a ring on a ringside. Oh well well if it was then my apologies because the fact that he got signed with with AEW officially um, ma- makes me very happy. So the fact that I missed that, um, that fact, I didn't miss the match, but I it just didn't register that it was him. Um, but, but no, that was a, that match served as a lead in to what was Eddie Kingston's dream match against June Akiyama. Okay. And they gave it to him on this, on the pay-per-view pre-show. All right. Now, there was there was nothing particularly, you know, mind blowing about this match, but it was it was a lot more solid than than the opening pre show match, and you know, somebody has to explain to me why in the hell Eddie Kingston is not on on the main card of this fucking show. You know, I uh, look look. And I understand that this was that this was his dream match, and 
and you're giving him what he wanted, and the 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 emotion that he showed after his match with Junakiyama was tremendous. If you guys did not see this, and you have an opportunity to hit up YouTube, the pre-show is right there on AEW's YouTube channel. Um, oh, okay. And and just just the the post-match um, interaction between Eddie Kingston. And Akiyama makes this worth your time because the legit emotion that came from Eddie Kingston and how much this meant to him just made the match that much more, uh, I almost want to say endearing to watch. Um, but, you know, it's just, you wouldn't expect that coming from a guy with the character of, like, Eddie Kingston. With the character that he plays and stuff, but then again, with with the vulnerability that he's shown off screen with his mental health issues, and the article that he wrote about it, which which if you haven't read that, that's that's another awesome read and something else that you should also check out. So so with all with all those factors combined, it was just really cool to see that particular interaction between Kingston. And Akiyama. So, um, but once again, why the fuck isn't Eddie Kingston on the main card? This, this, because I'll tell you what, man, this is a guy that could easily main event any pay per view for AEW. I believe that. And he's on the pre show. Me and meanwhile, you got Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose, you know, st- stinking it up on 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 live pay per view. I don't I don't understand this. So, but uh, so, but on the but speaking about um about the about just the overcrowding of the cards, um, just. Taking Kingston's emotional connection to it out of the picture, I'm not sure why this was added to the to the pay-per-view because of the audience largely just now being being introduced to Akiyama. I understand that he's a 30-year legend in Japan, but if you're anything like me. You you haven't had the opportunity to be exposed by and large to the Japanese product, you know. So and then and then you're talking about this this partnership that you have with the Defy DDT promotion in uh, you know Jap- Japan, which is what which is what opened up the opportunity for Akiyama to come come on into AEW. That's all fine and good. I have no problem with that. But you you have to establish that connection with the AEW fans before you put them on before you put these Japanese um, talents on pay per view. Yeah. They did that with Takeshita. We were we were consistently exposed to Takeshita for for a few months before he was even put on pay per view. You know, it. So I'm from that perspective. I'm not really sure why that was on the card, but 
In all fairness to Kingston, did I mind it because of how much I love Kingston? No. Okay. So just both sides of the argument just needed to be explored there. Um so Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy, and this is where uh LAO will join in the review because yep. he he saw the main card. So um this is a feud that's been going on forever on AEW television and I love the concept of long-term booking, so this was pretty cool. Um, so, pretty much, pretty much as is typically the case with Jungle Boy, he played the underdog throughout this entire match. This this guy, Jack Perry, got his ass handed to him throughout this entire match. He he, he started bleeding early on in the match right away, yeah. it seemed. Well, I mean, he got his ass whipped. Like, his... You know, when I was watching, I was like, what the heck? He's already bleeding the match just started. I mean, he got rammed into the cage so many times. He he got... Uh, he, he took a running powerbomb into the cage. Mm-hmm. And got stuck between the wall, between the ring and the cage. Yep. And, and then, so not even ten minutes into the match, barely five minutes into the match, Jr. is screaming on commentary for the for the match to be stopped. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's the goddamn cage match. So I thought that was funny, um, but you know, um. This match was um, was very very good, um, very much what it needed to be for a for a feud of this uh, length and for the level of investment that the fans have in it. I thought that both guys did very well, played their roles extremely well, and had a good showing on both sides. Uh, the one part of it before we get into more specifics about the match itself. Because I do want to go into that. The one part of it that I did not like um, is something that I don't like about most cage matches that we see nowadays. And I'll be interested to get Elio's take on this once he joins us back on the audio side of things. Um, The stuff on the outside of the cage. Because once again, the door got opened through nefarious means. Thanks to Christian Cage, um, you know, and it's like it's like I get it, but a cage is meant to keep people in and be the end of a feud and settle a score, and yet, and yet you have, and yet you undermine the purpose of the match. You undermine the purpose of a cage when you have all this bullshit happening on the outside. So. Uh, do I understand why it's done, and do I recognize it has been done for years in wrestling? Yes, absolutely. I've been watching this shit for 30-plus years. I I completely understand it. I get it. I've seen it. But do I like it? No. And so I, I call out the same thing here. Now, um, what... It, once Elio is available to join us again, we'll we'll double back and I'll get his opinion on that um, again. But in the, in the meantime, 
let me let me uh, call to your attention. Hold on. Oh yeah, um, he's he's still got uh, inter interruptions in the back um, behind him, but um, people people keep running in, interfering in the in the show, and I keep getting attacked from behind. I don't know what's going on here. You know, they yeah. just, they just left the referee already just ejected them from ringside. Very good. Um, so. Okay. So Elio, before I'm, we move, before no, we move no. on, why don't you give your opinion with uh, what I've said so far and the and the stuff outside the cage and your opinion on yeah. that stuff? Yeah. So, so I messaged you. I'm like, because like, I, I like the match. Match was great. I enjoyed the match. But did someone forget how a steel cage match works? <laughs> yeah. Because the, they Luchasaurus, uh, Christian uh, opened the cage. Luchasaurus just walks out. So wouldn't that mean that he automatically wins the badge? I like what? What? I understand that they just leave the cage door <laughs> open. Yeah. Like, and I, it's always stupid as it is that he went by pinfall or submission. When I was growing up, watching wrestling, it was always to climb up over the top or out through the door. No pinfalls, <laughs> no submissions. Well, and that's why I got confused because even nowadays the rules are you can win by pinfall or submission yeah, or escape I, of the cage. I, I don't like the pinfall or submission. I think that's stupid. It just it, it, it just, well, it's the whole purpose of the steel cage. Well, I agree, but especially with with the the participants participating in, in bullshittery outside of the cage during a cage match. Hold on, these, wait, wait, hold on. Bruce, were you advising AEW on this match? Yes, and um, and so so that part annoyed me, and I think I have time. Um, I'm getting the seven minute countdown from our virtual producer here, but I think I have time to get through the rest of this match before we go into our first commercial break of the evening. So now that we have that part of of the match uh, completed. Um, let's talk about the um, the rest of it and and the really good stuff. So outside of the outside of the bullshit with the cage and outside stuff, I loved everything that had that had to do with this match. Um, the psychology, the the um, the usage of uh, Jungle Boy's legal name, uh, which we've seen um, throughout his feud with, with uh, Luchasaurus, um, the storytelling of their friendship. Didn't he, um, uh, didn't he take that crazy dive through the table at one point? Yeah, that was that was the end. That was the end of the match. But we'll yeah. get to that. The. Um, you know the camera work and the storytelling with his mother and and his sister talking about Luchasaurus and like no. uh, oh you know how much they feel talking about talking about Luchasaurus this kind of thing. These 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 guys have been friends since two thousand nine when, yeah. when you when know Luchasaurus was ten years old and he was hanging around them. Exactly. So it's just it was kind of interesting. I I'm surprised. The one part that surprised me was that 
Christian Cage didn't get more involved from a psychological standpoint because throughout this entire uh, feud, you know, we've seen Christian get in the face of his mother and sister, you know, cut him down on the mic and stuff like that. Other than opening the door, we didn't really see Christian get involved. So from that from that perspective, um, I was a little bit shocked. I would have expected a little bit more um, interaction on the outside between um, the mom and the sister and, and Christian. Um, but um, almost everything else was absolutely perfect. Um, the, um, the big jump off the top of the cage that ended the match, um, you know, the elbow dropped through the table, that would have done Macho Man proud how that was executed. I mean that would that was flawless, and just you know, I mean, what a cage match! And you know what? I'm looking up. Um, I'm looking up Jungle Boy like on just like his Wikipedia page. Yeah, it says he grew up a fan of professional wrestling and attended 2009 SummerSlam pay per view with his father at the age of 12. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. I I didn't know that, but. And I didn't. I didn't know he had like other. Cha- he already had championships. Uh, he had already won championships before uh, AEW, like all APW, the All Pro Wrestling Junior Heavyweight Championship, the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metalweight Championship, ranked number sixty nine on the top five hundred in uh, the PWA five hundred twenty twenty one. And uh, the Pro Wrestling Revolution Tag Team Championship. With whom? The, the same? We, with another uh, another wrestler, El Prost El Perugolfo. I don't know. I, I, I think I messed that up. Whatever. All right. Well, it's one of those long names I can't even get, get around. Yet I can pronounce all these Japanese names without any problem. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what? Um... <laughs> And it should be noted that I pronounced Jun Akiyama's name without a problem when I was proud of myself. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, this, this match was one of my favorite cage matches that I've seen in a while. You know, we've seen a lot of cage matches, and and I think it gets overplayed, and and the matches get overbooked, and I just I. And yeah, this match kind of fell victim to that a little bit as well as we talked about. But overall, with the, with the story that was being told between Luke and Torres, hold on, keep, keep going. I'm just gonna pull up the uh, wrestling data site so we can get the ratings. Overall, with the story that was being told between these two, and hopefully this is the end of the feud because this match really serves uh, that purpose well. Um. You know, I I love this, and um, I think we're gonna have to wait for Elio's take on the ratings until after our next commercial yep, break because we that. we're under two and a half minutes. Yep. Um. So I'll shut up now, and uh, when we get back, we'll move on to the next match. All right, we're back, and before we uh, can continue, Ben, I have the the ratings. Uh, up for this show. So we're going to go back to the zero hour and go through the ratings for the ones we already covered so far. Cool. 
So for the first match in the Danhausen, what do you give that one? Uh, two. 67% give it a three. He's not a problem. Probably because of Orange Cassidy. I just, yeah, okay. All right, then we have Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I'll give that one a, a three. 67% give it a four. You, <laughs> no. And then the next one, Eddie Kingston and Ju Nakayama. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a three. One hundred percent give the four. Oh my god, you people. No. Now we're getting now we're gonna get into the main card. The Jack Jungle Boy Luchasaurus match. What do you give that one? I'll give it a four. Seventy five percent give it a four. Very good. Alright, then we had um uh no we wait, uh, we're, 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 not, we're not done. We're not done. We're, so we're all caught up there. Yeah. All right, so is that all we have for the COK match? Yes. All right, so the next one up is the tag for the AEW Trios Championships. The Triangle versus the Elite. Now, Ben, this was surprising uh, with uh, the results. Yes, absolutely. And I absolutely love it because... I, like so many of you out there, uh, the second that I saw the um, the graphic that announced the Elite was coming back, I was like, oh, there goes, there goes the um, the trio's tag titles right off of Death Triangle. Bye-bye. Yep. Um, you, but the fact that they held off on that it is tremendous, and yeah. I I said earlier um, that I am typically not a fan of six man matches, and I've I've also said in the past that I'm not, and I I stand by both of the, both of these facts. I've also said in, in the past that I'm not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, um, h- however, um, on both fronts, um, this match was awesome, and I admit that. And um, and the Young Bucks several times on pay per view have impressed the hell out of me. Um, so I give them absolute credit for that. Um, of of course, this was a huge deal because. As we all know, having gone over it ad nauseum for the last two fucking months, this this is this is their first match coming off a of suspension. Yep. Um. So it was, it was good to see them back, and um, they came out to one of my favorite songs, uh, "Wayward Son" by Candice. Um, Carry on, my wayward son. From the album Under Two, nineteen seventy-six. Absolutely, I did not know the name of the album, but I knew the name of the song. So, um, the so, other, the other classic is "Dust in the Wind." That's another one I love. Yes, and I love that one too. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big seventies rock fan because I, uh, 
I grew up listening to it th- thanks to my parents, you know, because because largely they grew up in the seventies. Wouldn't it been cool to go back in time and see what your parents were like in the when they were your age? Well, I am, um, and the music they listened to. Yeah, I mean, I already knew that they were uh, they were pretty cool, and um, you know, I mean, my mom was probably a little bit of a hellraiser. I knew she, I know she, she was a heartbreaker. She, um, she told me a story one time of uh, you know she actually made one of her uh, ex boyfriends way back in the day. Uh, she made him cry when she broke up with him. <laughs> like, he was he was sitting in the truck outside of her house crying, and my grandfather had to go out there and talk to him <laughs> to get him to get him to, to leave. So yeah, um, so yeah, I come from a line of good-looking, badass people. So. No, no wonder how no wonder how I turned out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, not really, but still. Um, but anyway, um, so I um I love the fact that um Tony Khan didn't jump the gun and automatically give the belts to uh, the elite. So he actually um, he he actually did do one thing that was good. Well, he, be, I, no, because like we have some late, like he's been making a lot of stupid decisions, like with the way he, like runs things. Well, and I one thousand percent agree with you there, and that, and that's why I was so dubious coming into um to full gear because um because this was such an important show coming off of all the bullshittery. I mean, even. M- MJF alluded to it on in an off-screen promo on uh, after Dynamite uh, last week, um, you know, with Tony Khan. So, so this this was very important, and by and large, they knocked it out of the park. And the the Elite and uh, Death Triangle definitely did it. Now, I am a gigantic fan of Death Triangle. Um, particularly um, the Lucha Brothers. Mm-hmm. I just think that they are brilliant at what they do. Um, I think um, I've been a fan of, of the Lucha Brothers since their time in Lucha Underground. I think I think Ray Phoenix is the most impressive uh, luchador I've seen since Rey Mysterio. I love Penta's character work. Um, if you guys haven't seen uh, his storyline that, that he did with Vampiro and Lucha Underground, holy shit, please do yourself a favor and look that up. I'm begging you. I'm absolutely begging. The, and the match that he had with um, Vampiro to pay that off, the psychology in that motherfucker, fantastic. But anyway... Going going back to AEW business, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the actual match. Um, so after after I popped for Kansas, um, we we start the match and um, and it start it starts off um pretty pretty fast. Um, we get um. 
I think I think we get o- Omega and uh, I believe it was Omega and Nick to start it off. I could I could be wrong. I think it was t- the two. I. I, I, Omega, I, Omega and Nick, I don't. They're, I, aren't they on the same team? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Omega and uh, um, Phoenix. Phoenix, I think. I okay. believe. But anyway, um, before I make myself look like an idiot, um, let me just get my straight here. Hold on. Yeah, there's. I'm just I'm just trying to find where the match starts on my review thingy because they they have they, they have too much pre match crap they're marking out over this Kansas thing and the okay sure so yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't even have to these guys weren't even born when that song came out all right so um we we get uh, okay so it was it was Omega and and pack okay to start it out so um so omega kicks kicks pack's knee out but pack is back up and spits him in, and spits in his face now i don't know about you guys but but regardless of the of the circumstance and i know it's wrestling and blah 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 i hate it when people spit in each other's faces i just think it's, uh, it's yeah I think oh. it's disgusting. I I just ugh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, then shortly after that, Nick gets the tag. Short shortly thereafter, they um um there's a spot to the to the outside where um where uh, Nick Nick Jackson hits a running dive and then. Uh, Gets a free drink from a fan at ringside, and and you can see him asking like, "What is this? Should I drink it?" And she's like, "Sure." <laughs> but but remember the last time the last time that uh, that we had a fan try to offer a drink to a wrestler, it was a fan offering CM Punk a beer, <laughs> and CM Punk looked at him like, "What the fuck?" Uh, Speaking of CM Punk, before before this match started, speaking of that was a smooth transition on my part. God damn, I impressed myself. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so speaking of CM Punk, um, there was a fuck CM Punk chant. I heard that before the bell rang. So it's interesting how two months can really change a, a wrestling. A crowd's opinion, but in this in this case, you know, some people um, have rightfully called wrestling fans fickle in the past, but I think in this situation, given how everything was handled on multiple fronts, but especially CM Punk, um, you know, I, I think that was that was one of the most warranted chants I've ever heard in, in wrestling. Yeah. Um. From from CM Punk's perspective, and that's coming from a CM Punk fan, but I can't I can't ignore the fact that that was bullshit. So I'm just I'm glad we're past that and uh, moving on. So so we we come back in and it's now Pack 
and it's still it's still Pac and Omega uh, coming back in, and they're legal again. Um, so then we have our, we have Matt coming in with the tag, hits a rolling northern leg suplex to take Penta down. Phoenix makes the save and hits a double stomp. Um, and I I hate going all all over these spots. Skipping forward a little bit, um, we get a really cool spot with Phoenix diving off of Penta's shoulders as Penta's on the middle rope and and hits uh, Omega's back. Um, the brutalizer goes on by Pack but gets broken up. Uh, because the Lucha Bros dived onto the Bucks. Heck, this is where the match gets interesting. Because remember the uh, the whole storyline where for weeks Pack was trying to get Ray Phoenix to use the bell hammer. In yep, I was about to say yep. And Ray Phoenix didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So that comes into play here. So so the first time. We see this. Pack throws Phoenix the hammer. Um, but b- before Phoenix can make up his mind, uh, Omega cuts him off with a V trigger. And then and then he he follows that up and he, Kenny hits the Tiger Driver 98, which is one of my favorite fucking moves. Um, call me a mark whatever you want, but I just love that move. So then Nick um, dives on the pack, who still has the hammer, and and then we get a bunch of young uh, shit with moonsaults onto a bunch of people. We get another V trigger, this one on Phoenix, um, who again gets the hammer from Pack, um, but this time he gets the hammer from Pack, but but. He's in position on Kenny Omega's shoulders, and he's about to take the one winged angel, presumably for the three count, which would which would have led to um, the elite regaining the trio's tag titles. Mm -hmm. So, because he was staring a loss dead in the face, he uses the bell hammer, hits Kenny in the head, and pins him. And 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 the um and the um, Lucha Brothers retain in just under 19 minutes. Now, um, now this this match was fantastic because, like I said, there's a lot that I don't like about the Elite, um, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I. I just I get a bad feeling off of Kenny Omega. He kind of like he kind of comes off like an asshole to me. Um, you know, I've heard and I've heard that like the Young Bucks are very nice guys, but um, yeah, but, Omega Omega is very uh, a very odd person. We interviewed him uh, on a uh, global. Well, I wasn't around for that, but I heard the interview. And and okay, this is interesting. What and what what about the interview made the guys think he was odd? No, like I'm just like you know, like how so how some of the things he's done, like how he's he's apparently he's like he's uh 
He was a nine-year-old. Uh, he uh, had a thing. I think I heard one story about uh, he he also wrestled a blow up doll. Well, that's just asinine. Yeah, it's like uh, just like uh, bizarre things like that. Are what makes him like? And uh, that was a uh, comment from the other guy that uh, said he's not person because I don't like I don't really like know much about Kenny Omega outside of like what we see on TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And and the other and the other thing too that leaves a bad taste in my mouth is much as we point the finger at uh, you know CM Punk and Tony Khan for their roles in this brawl, even though Tony Khan wasn't physically involved, but his interaction led to it. You know the the young bucks and Kenny had a lot to do with it too. You know, especially the young bucks. So. You know, so there's a lot not to like about about the elite, but but I have to give them credit. This was a fantastic match. Come to find out, it was announced later on in the pay per view, and I did some more research on this um, while we were in commercial. Um, Tony Khan announced that um, that this. Outcome is going to lead to a best of seven series between the elite and and the Lucha Brothers and mm-hmm. and while as of right now uh, the Lucha Brothers are in possession of the uh, trios tag team titles, this match that we saw last night is now retroactively the first of the best of seven series between these so so this counts as match number one yes yeah and uh and the first team to get four wins um becomes the trios tag tag team title holders um now now I'm I'm just gonna uh, reread this last section to make sure I got it right. I'll read it live on the. I'll read this whole re- report on the air so you guys can you guys can hear it. So this is this is according to um, to Dave Melter. He and and the report is as follows. As noted, the elite made a big return last night at AEW Full Gear losing a match to Death Triangle for the AEW Trios Championships. The Elite came out to Kansas's carry-on wayward son for their entrance scene. Sidebar, we already talked about how fucking awesome that was, and that was indeed awesome. Loved it. A report by Dave Meltzer, and and then this is where we get into Meltzer's report. According to Meltzer's report, the plan is for... The elite to use um, carry on wavered ton as their trios match entrance music, uh, and only the trios match entrance music. They won't be using it for regular tag team or singles matches. Um, they've reportedly been been looking to use this song for a long time, as the Bucks are big fans of the song and and so on and so forth. Um, 
apparently they also use the song as their entrance music while taking part in, in backyard wrestling as teenagers. Um, and, and moving on to what's important regarding the trio's tag tag titles in the, in the best of seven series, it goes, additionally, while last night's match was contested for the trio's titles, and it was retroactively made the first match in a best-of-seven match series, the other matches will not see the titles on the line in each match. The Elite can only win the titles if they win four matches in the best-of-seven series. Oh, okay. So, there we go. And that's cleared up quite nicely for us there. So, so as I said, very good match. Um... I'm still I'm still not sold on 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 the elite coming back and, and you know all of that. But the apparently the investigation was done and I'm just I'm kind of done with this whole story. So hopefully hopefully this match and this pay per view serves as a reset for the company and we can just move the fuck on because the sooner I don't have to talk about this and I'm sure Elio agrees with me. Um, you know, the better off we'll feel about it, and 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 the more fun this podcast will be for us, and we don't have to talk about backstage politics and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, because because we pride ourselves on talking about professional wrestling and what we see on screen. That's what we want to talk about. We really don't have any interest in in backstage bullshit and. And 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 dirt sheets. We only talk about that because we know that that's what that a lot of people are interested in that. And, and being that we are a podcast, we want to bring the people um, content that they might be interested in. It's just personally, the two of us we're we're not interested in that dirt sheet bullshit. Nope. So, so moving on to the the next match. Uh, well, oh, hold this, on. What do, you, what do you give this one? I I I give I give this one a four as well. I thought this was very very good. Okay, um, seventy five percent give it a five. Oh, that's just too no. That's just too much. That's just, that's just marks being marks, right? Like, no, I, thought, I, I thought it was a four star. A a, a true five star match is like um you know. Um, Br- Bret Hart versus um, you know versus Steve Austin at uh, or was it, or was it? Uh, I'm not. I'm, Which one I, are you talking about? The the one we just covered at Survivor Series. Uh, oh, ninety six. Yeah. Well, which one was that? The the Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. That was our first one. Yes. So I got it right. Okay. I wanted to make sure I got it right. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. That's a five-star match. Another another match that was truly a five-star was Owen Owen Hart versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10. Okay. Or or if you want to go back even further, you know, Savage versus versus. Steamboat at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania, you know those are 
are five star matches. These are not okay. Yeah. If you want to call a young box match a five star match, they gotta learn how to sell something. You know. And here's an example. Okay, I forget. The, I forget the paper. You. It might have been Revolution a few years ago. Um. It, but I. But to be honest with you, I can't recall. But. An, exa an example of why I get frustrated. Even though they have fantastic matches, they can't sell for shit. I remember one time this one of the Bucks was selling a leg injury and they were selling the wrong leg. Like, they, they took the supposed injury to one leg and they were selling the other one. Like, I, I can't take that kind of stuff seriously. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, moving on. Um, this is where I took my bathroom break. Uh -oh. um, because you uh, you texted me about, um, about about this match. Like, how was it? Yeah, um, I said, said step away for this match. Well, I, I had to step away for a different reason. Because... <laughs> Because as we talked about in a recent uh, edition of the show, Jade Cargill, um, th this and this was all leading up to the dynamite match between Jade Cargill and Marina Shapiro weeks back. On that week's episode, we we had a lot to say about Jade Cargill, or at least I did. Okay, and at this point, I'll be honest with you. And this has nothing to do with race or anything like that. And anybody who says it, who says that I'm a racist because of what I'm about to say about about Jade Cargill or that I'm transphobic for saying this about Nyla Rose, they can go fuck themselves because I know who I am and I know that I'm basing this off the wrestling match. Okay? But these two women are not good professional wrestlers. They're mm -hmm. not. This match sucks. Okay. The well, you know what? I have it in front of me. I'm gonna let me uh, go and see. For a minute, this match went eight minutes. Seven minutes fifty-five seconds to be to be precise. Okay, I'm just going off of like what I have in front of me here. Well, well, I'm just going. Yeah, but yeah. Well, anyway, um, so. So you, you you know how I have always said that you know championship matches belong on the main card and they should never be on pre-shows. I've always said that when it comes to WWE shows. Yeah. This is the one situation where I would have really loved a title match to be on a fucking pre-show because this match itself was not pay-per-view worthy at all. At all. Nope. Okay. And let's let's talk about Jade Cargill and her her record. And th and this is talking about on screen Jade Cargill. You wanna know how bad before you wanna know how you wanna know how bad uh, a wrestler she is? Oh please tell me. Yes I do. Actually actually before you before you uh, in, enlighten me with that, with with this delightful story, I want you to see what I'm about to do to prepare myself to enjoy this story. Oh, hang, oh. hang on one second. 
Okay. All right. So he can describe to you what I'm doing. See this in my hand. So Ben, you currently just showed me a bottle of Mountain Dew. And, and I'm cracking the Mountain Dew as we speak. Ah. There's that pop sound. He gave me a cheers, and there it goes. Chug, 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 chug. Here we go, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. Jade Cargill was such a bad wrestler that they don't even focus on the match. They focused on uh, what she was wearing out to the ring, which was her Thundercats cosplay. Well, and, and, and she barely looked like a Thundercat. I mean, I... I got the reference. I, Chitara, I understand that. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm I was saying that, that's how bad a wrestler she is. They paid more attention to when her cosplay than they did to the match. You know, I, I just, I don't care. I, yeah. I, I, I don't care. You know, I'm an 80s baby. I appreciated the Thundercats reference. I get it. She hit a nice power bomb to to set up the jaded finisher. But but other than that, that's a stupid name, the jaded finisher. Is that what it's well, called, the finisher? No, it's called jaded. Wait, the it's, jaded what? The jaded what? No, no, the the finisher itself is called jaded. Oh, okay. It's pretty. It's pretty much. The best finisher's glam, or best Phoenix's glam, glam slam. You told me, you told how much I care because I don't even know her finisher. Oh, I, oh, I don't blame you for not giving a single <laughs> fuck. I, I don't care at all. Um, but moving on. Um. Oh my good lord, the fact that she is forty-two and zero, and that's what they're making a big deal, and this is the wrestler wow. who they're attaching that wow. horse to. Wow, is bullshit. I mean, look, I I have a, for the, for those of you that that are saying, well, maybe you're being a little harsh on Jade Cargill. No, nope, we're not being harsh at all. Please, please go back into the annals of the show and listen to me with with all the times that I praised Jay Cargill before she went on on a rant about the fans and how we're basement dwellers and all this bullshit. Um, you know, I praised her look. I pray. I, I praised her charisma. I praised her mic ability. Um, you know, with the Tony Schiavone cut the shit. I mean, that's, that's entertaining as fuck. I don't really understand the baddie section, but I can I can see that being entertaining for a lot of people. But but Jay Cargill in the ring and her holding a title and an undefeated streak that I'm guessing they're trying to get to, to you know rival Goldberg at this point. And I don't think she 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 sucks. It's it's not even it's like. This is not the talent that warrants this kind of push. I'm guessing you can give this match a one. Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, you know what? Fifty percent give it a two. Uh, well, at least they didn't give it a three. Okay, <laughs> so so I'll take that. But yeah, I, I like I said, I stepped away from this match. I just don't care, and like. Uh, <laughs> 
you could tell it was it was uh, fast because when I came when I came back, it was already over. Well, which I, was I, when I wanted which was when I messaged you. I'm like, what happened? Okay. <laughs> well, I I don't blame you at all. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, we must be talking too much. I apologize. But we're going to have to step aside before we get into one of the highlights of the night, yep. the Fatal 4-Way for the Ring of Honor Championship. And trust me, this commercial break will be worth a week because this match was fucking incredible. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. So our next match up is for the a four-way match for the ROH World Championship, Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson versus Claudio Castagnoli versus Sammy Guevara. So this was absolutely one of my high points of the entire evening. I know we said that we weren't doing the traditional high points, low points, because we're going through the entire pay-per-view. But this, this is a high point right here, folks. Now, my original concern slash uh, problem with the match remains, no matter how awesome it, it was, um, regardless of the participants, um, and Elio, I'm interested to get your take here because I uh, I don't think that this match should have been on the pay per view. And hear me out here because um, you know we have ROH final battle coming up on December 10th. Um, which, as you reminded me of, um, I think the last time we were on the air, um, is the same day as NXT TakeOver Deadline. Yep. Um, and, um, and the fact of the matter is, you know, you're, ha- you're having a Ring of Honor world title match mere weeks before that pay-per-view um, is scheduled um, to take place, and you have zero announced matches for that pay-per-view, to my knowledge, at this point. So, but even if you had your entire card announced, why wouldn't you have this match on your ROH final battle pay-per-view? I mean, this is, I mean, come on, Tony. Jesus Christ. I mean, look at look at look at this, folks. You have Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castanoli versus Sammy Guevara versus Brian Danielson. You have two Ovation, two AEW. Actually, actually, no. You have you have three um, for, former Ring of Honor competitors. Wait, who? Uh, Claudio. Um, Claudio, Brian Danielson. Uh, oh, actually, you're right. You're right. Um, and um, it's just, I, I don't, I don't get this. I, I don't, I don't understand at, at all why, why you. I mean, I could understand maybe having a number one contenders match because you, you focus so heavily on Ring of Honor on AEW television but not you know but you have a pay-per-view mere weeks away 
and you're doing it on this pay-per-view here. Now, now before before any of the community starts getting upset with me, I understand why they did it this way. Okay, bigger platform, all this other stuff. But you do want to spotlight your 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 world title on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, and and this is this is a pretty this is a pretty um, solid way to do it on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. And plus, if you're gonna have if you're gonna have Chris Jericho disrespecting all of Ring of Honor, and you're gonna have Ian Riccoboni on commentary running him down like a like a dog, at least prior to the match, you know, then this is perfect for a Ring of Honor airtime because it makes perfect sense. You know, you have the AEW guy encroaching on Ring of Honor territory. You know, you have you have the AEW guy holding Ring of Honor's biggest title against two of their biggest legends of all time. Why isn't this on Ring of Honor television? And furthermore, I expect I kind of expected um there to be an announcement on Ring of Honor's future at uh, Full Gear last night. I kind of expected the announcement of a TV deal, and since that didn't happen, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Yep. Because, because now it's like, how much longer are we going to have to deal with Ring of Honor on AEW television? Now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to hear me complain about an actual wrestling match that features these four competitors. I mean, as I just said, the match was awesome, and we'll get into it in a minute. Um, but it, it, it just, you know, I think I think they're trying to do too much with too little time, and in, and in the process of doing that, your AE, your AEW product on TV is suffering because you're trying to fit two companies worth of product into into three hours of television every week, and it doesn't work like that. That's a problem. And you know, regardless of how good one match is, it's not going to solve the ROH problem until you get a TV deal that is separate from AEW for Ring of Honor. And until that happens, I feel like the AEW product is going to suffer because Ring of Honor exists under the AEW umbrella now because Tony Khan bought it with without a TV deal. Like, what the fuck? Why not, why not get rid of um, Dark Elevation and just put Ring of Honor on... Um... Thursday or whatever, somewhere that are because they're not gonna win against Monday Night Raw. I, I have no, I have no idea, brother. But like, they're not gonna beat NXT. Uh, they're not gonna compete against Dynamite. Uh, although that would be interesting. But I, I just don't, I don't it, get it. it. It's so confusing. Tony Khan just doesn't know how to. Keep two two promotions separate brands. Well, well, the, well. The, the thing is, in all fairness to him, 
That would be difficult for any human being. Regardless of what the businesses are, that would be difficult for anybody to run two separate brands at the same time. But that's why that's why Tony Khan cannot do this all by himself. We had the same conversation about Vince McMahon when he was when he was trying to write the shows all by himself when he had a writing team right there. Well, well, Tony Khan doesn't have a writing team. Well, maybe he should because he's trying to write two, you know, he's trying to write programming for two. Uh, the companies just don't bring, they, just don't bring Bruce Pritchard in. <laughs> whatever you do, please praise all the wrestling gods. Don't do that. But it's just you know. So it, it's the AEW product is suffering because of ROH's inclusion. And and I'm an ROH guy, but Jesus Christ, so this match did not belong on a on a uh, on a on an AEW card, even though it was one of the matches of the evening. Now, let's talk about the match itself, because this was awesome. So, um, so as I mentioned before, the announcers were making a huge deal of, of Jericho from the beginning and talking about, you know, Ian Riccoboni being a casualty of the war that Jericho was waging on Ring of Honor and, uh, you know, Jericho focusing on sports entertainment versus the pure professional wrestling that is that is and was the major selling point. I have a of, question for you. Yeah. Why is Jericho still on, on this sports entertainment thing? Like, I don't get it where that came from. I, well, is, is, I, is, is he still like, a, like, doing a WWE thing where cause they're all about sports entertainment? Uh, yeah, and, um... Why? Like, the JAS sucks. Like, I I loved the, um... The Inner Circle, but the JAS absolutely sucks. Especially, especially the bumper at the top. The leaders in sports entertainment. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, I don't, I don't get it at all. But, um... But... So, so from the get-go, they were really vilifying Jericho, which I love. And I love Jericho's work with this whole storyline. I just don't agree with the storyline. And you see him as a, as a bride? Yes, I did. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh, my God, who's the bride? Who's this? You know, and every wrestling fan on planet Earth knew that was Chris Jericho. Yeah. And you see when he asked him, like, uh, why, why he chose that? No, I didn't see that part. He always had this inner bright pink uh, dinosaur inside of him. Oh, God. No, <laughs> so it's always no. been a dream of his. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, just stop. Just focus on the wrestling. Good Lord. But anyway, um, so so right off the bat, this is a, this is a wrestling clinic. And... Uh, we have uh, we have um, Guevara kind of on Team Jericho, and they're they're kind of double teaming Danielson and Casanoli, um, and that's a storyline that that Jericho is hoping to uh, 
Though that's a strategy, I should say, that Jericho is hoping to employ throughout the entire match. Um, from the early, even from the earliest stages, you can see Guevara kind of getting annoyed, and then he gets happy again, and then he gets annoyed. And then, you know, once Jericho goes for a cover, he gets really annoyed, and then he goes for a cover, and then Jericho's looking at him like, what the fuck? And then, you know, Guevara's, like, going after him, and then they're pushing and shoving, and then him and, him and Jericho are wrestling. So that was a major storyline throughout the, throughout the match. And then after the after the match was over, um, Jericho was like, uh, "Oh, that was just in the heat of the moment." Blah blah blah. So they did a, they did a good job with that storyline. They kept it going um, from the from the dyna, from the dynamite prior to uh, prior to full gear. So that that whole storyline played out very well. As for, as for the rest of the match, um, so uh, let's let's see here. So automatically, Casanoli from the very top uh, sends Jericho into the barricade. As the other two guys are fighting on the inside, Guevara starts getting beating beaten up, leading Brian Danielson and Claudio. One on one, and then we get kind of an uppercut party by uh, by Claudio Castanoli. I I don't know about you, but I I could I could watch the former Cesaro throw uppercuts and giant slings all day long. I I find right? <laughs> the, the guy the guy is just like so entertaining. Like I I have a man crush on that guy from a wrestling perspective. I mean Jesus Christ. How how could you not? Quite frankly, um, and then eventually Jericho comes back in. He gets taken down um, into a double crab by Danielson. Danielson's doing doing the Jericho pose, flexing with the double biceps, uh, or with the single bicep pose. Uh, Guevara gets back in. And hits a double suplex on on Danielson uh, with Jericho, and then Jericho hits an AA on uh, on Danielson, I think. So it, it was just it was just funny to see Jericho do his best John Cena impression. That was hilarious. Uh, and this is this is and this is where I mentioned Guevara is looking very pissed off as as uh, Jericho is going for the cover because Jericho expects Guevara to be the the good soldier in the fight, um, but Guevara obviously wants to win a world title, so duh. Um, but uh, you know. The whole the whole match was awesome, and then um, and then the later and later that we get, it really becomes the Sammy Guevara and uh, Chris Jericho show, as as they get increasingly pissed off with each other. Um, we get we get a uh, Spanish fly, but planting Jer planting Danielson that was hit by. Uh, 
by um, Guevara. And then Jericho Lion Salt on both uh, Danielson and Guevara. So it's like the commentators were like, oh, was that accidental on purpose? Or does, does Jericho even, even care? And then Jericho was yelling at Guevara um, for for hitting a code breaker and and whatever the hell. Um, but the, but the fight continues and on and on we go. So um, I'm not going to go through this entire thing because that would just take too long. But that was the that was the major story, and I I liked it. It made sense, but. The one thing that I didn't like is even though Danielson and uh, Claudio both got their moves in, I felt like they took a back seat to the storyline going on between uh, Jericho and Guevara, which I didn't, which in and of itself I didn't like because Claudio and, and Brian are the ROH guys, and this is an ROH match. So it's like what the fuck, um. But but, but kind of like the stupid part of it too was at the end of the match, um, Ian Ian Riccoboni was putting over Chris Jericho and saying like he's already cementing himself amongst the ROH greats, and I'm like what, like what the fuck? You were railing on him you know, as he was making his entrance, justifiably so, because he knocked your ass out. And and now with one match, just because he's the ROH world champion, just won a fatal four-way, now he's cementing himself amongst the Ring of Honor greats. Really? Like, that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, but the actual match, I'm like, okay, that was good. B plus. What did you think of the match? No, this was a great match, but yeah, though everything with the Jericho and Sami Guevara, and um, like I said, just don't get this whole ROH thing. Uh, the Claudio Castagnoli should still be the champion. Yeah. So, but uh, the match itself was great, and then uh, of course afterwards Jericho said, "Sammy, uh, you'll be champion. Your time will come, just not tonight." Exactly. But, uh, so, okay, so what do you give this one? I give it a four. Okay, so 50% gave it a four, and the other 50 gave it a five. Oh, my God. That's entirely too kind. <laughs> for, for, the, for the reasons that I just outlined. I mean, from a wrestling perspective, I can see it, but from a story perspective, no. Right, Absolutely the, not. Our next one, I actually... I like I liked this match. It, it was was it the best match? No, but I I just enjoyed it because like it was Soraya's uh, return to in ring. Yeah, and 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 as I said on Twitter, my immediate reaction was that I was so happy for her and the immediate outpour of emotion and going to hug her brother. You could really see how much it meant to her. And, you know, in her promo, and by the way, Britt Baker and Soraya cut awesome promos uh, against each other in the lead-up to this match. 
Serena went in first, and then, of course, Britt Baker. Um, but, um, you know, just the fact that she did overcome, you know, drug addiction and and all and all of the different controversies with with Del Rio and of course the the sex tape, which which you know people are gonna say what they want to say about that, but from my perspective, the the bottom line is that her her privacy was violated. So it's like like yeah. Some people are gonna feel a certain way about that, but the bottom line is that should never have happened to her. And she, uh, like, she almost, she almost a- ended her life because of that. You fucking morons! Yeah. But, like, if that had happened to you and somebody invaded your privacy and got into your phone, what what kind of stuff would they find? I bet you wouldn't be too happy. See, like, see, you see why I hate wrestling fans. Just, just enough, like. Like, really, you don't have something, like, sexy on your phone? I mean, like, I bet a lot of people do. Like, really, like, it's ridiculous. Um, so, but but enough. Like, the point being, like, she just came back from a lot of bullshit. And the fact that she got her moment and came back from a broken neck, I felt, I felt as happy for her as I did for Edge and Daniel Bryan. Like, that was just a, a very cool human moment. Even though the wrestling didn't do much for me, mm-hmm. because justifiably so, after five years, you're going to have rust. Yeah, you're, you're going to you're going to be visibly careful. And and shout out to Britt Baker too, because that's a lot of pressure to be under to be facing that caliber of opponent after that. That lazy of a of a of a hiatus. And I always said the whole match, and she was focusing on Sarah's uh, neck. Like, like when she dropped it with the neck trigger on the outside, like, ouch. Okay. Well, well, yeah. But I mean, but you so thought she was being like careful with her. Yeah, and, and from a psychology perspective, it was awesome. Like that whole approach was awesome, but because of the fact that. That we are just that we know what to look for, and we've been doing this for so long. You could you could see how careful Britt was being, and that and good on Britt for doing that because that's the professional thing to do, and and you know she did her job, and that's got to be a very tough position to be in because like really, if you really want to think about it, Britt Baker shouldn't have lost to Soraya. Like she really shouldn't have. Like, from a pure wrestling and story perspective, like, there's no way Britt Baker should have won this match. Or, or, I'm sorry, there's no way Soraya should have won this match. Yes, it was an awesome, feel-good moment. Yes, I'm I'm ecstatic for Soraya as a human being. It's awesome. I take nothing away from her. I have nothing negative to say about Soraya. But Britt Baker is the... Regardless of how you feel about her outside of the ring or like controversy aside with Thunder Rosa and all this other stuff, and maybe she made some mistakes public relations wise, the bottom line is Britt Baker is the face of this company and she's taking a loss from a woman that hasn't wrestled in five years and just came in this company. Like, that's got to be a hard pill to swallow, professionalism or not. 
So that, that I mean, shout out to her because realistically, Britt Brit Baker should not have won this match. Soraya should have been the one putting over Britt. But like I understand why they did it because uh, it was I hear you said. What did I say? You said Brit should not have won this match. Saray should have been the one to put over Brit. Oh. Well I well I meant to say Saray. I, 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 I know, I know, I know what you meant. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But it's just you know, so from a wrestling perspective it was it was very middle of the road for me. Yeah, fifty uh, percent gave this one a two. I I would agree. I would give it a two. Absolutely. All right. Our next one is the, a three way for the TNT Championship: Powerhouse Hobbs, Morgan, and Wardlow. This one confused the fuck out of me. First of all, let let's talk about this for a minute. From how we got here, okay? Because this whole storyline and and how this came about was very weird. Yeah, Samoa Joe turning heel for no reason, for no explanation. Like, none whatsoever. And this match was announced, like, set up because of that turn. It was, it was set up mere, like, like, three days before the pay-per-view. And then we we had another match that was set up like like the night before the pay per view, and the ending was like just the way this match was laid out and the ending and it was it was so fucking weird and random, like like I love Samoa Joe, but why the fuck why the fuck does he need to have two titles on him? Right, makes no sense. ROH and AEW now what? And and, and, and and furthermore, let's break this down even further. Let's talk about the TNT title. For, forget Wardlow for a minute because that's its own can of worms. We're going to get into that separately in just a second. Okay? Let's talk about the TNT title and, and the ROH TV title. First, the TNT title means absolutely fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Because of how it's been booked since uh, since Wardlow won the thing, and if you want to go further back than that, it hasn't been booked properly since since Brody Lee lost the title. Mm-hmm. May may he rest in peace. But I mean, it's just you know this title doesn't mean a goddamn thing. The the All Atlantic Championship, even though I dig the concept, doesn't mean a goddamn thing. You know, it's it's just like, it, why are you doing this with this title? It mean it. You're hot potatoing it first of all, um, in a storyline that makes no sense at all. Even before you broke them up, Warjo made absolutely no sense. They have no history with each other at all. They're just, you know, Wardlow is arguably a future piece of the company. I'll give them that. Absolutely, I believe that 100%. But, you know, he has nothing to do with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe should be exactly what he was 
always portrayed to be, which is a which is a one man wrecking machine killer. You know, it's just so. Why was this storyline even a thing with the two of them? Let alone to be put in this position. And then, and then you have, and then you have Wardlow and his and his de-evolution because as the character he was hot as hell coming out of his feud with MJF like yes the match at double or nothing left a lot to be desired because of the of the controversy with with um with MJF and the contract situation going into that we didn't even know if MJF was going to show up and um and all of the all of that stuff we've covered that, but but the fact that he won the title coming coming out of all that build and the storyline and getting out from under MJF's thumb, like he was, you could have strapped the rocket to that to that kid, and he is no better off now, in my opinion. Then he was, then he was when, from before when he, from before he left MJF. It's just so if 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 the title is not being used to elevate a guy, then what the fuck is the title there for? And I would argue that this result hurts Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. Because what the, I mean, you know, you have powerhouse Hobbs. He's feuding with, with Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks has barely been on television. Is he? Well, is he feuding with Ricky Starks though? Because when's the last time we saw him, like in an actual match on television? But, 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 and and your your point is very well made. But the last the last time I checked, he was feuding with with. With powerhouse Hobbs, that's the last major feud that these guys had. No, I remember, I remember when uh, Hobbs attacked him from behind when they were in the ring. Yeah, but I'm saying like the way like he's been like misused. I'm talking about Starks now. Starks and powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, it's just. But it's just get it. so the way that this match was laid out, the whole title situation, it's just weird. The fact that it was booked in the way that it was booked was weird because nobody understood what the fuck was going on. It didn't need to be on the pay-per-view. It had no build whatsoever. Okay, two weeks maybe? What the fuck does that mean? You know, before, you know, before the match was, announced, was made official for the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. three days ahead of time. Like, okay, that doesn't mean jack shit to me. You know, this is the last pay-per-view of the year, and this is what you're doing with Powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, and Samoa Joe. Now, God bless Samoa Joe, people. You, you know, I, I love him. If you've been listening to this podcast for any reasonable length of time, I'm, and I feel like I'm talking too much, I swear to God, we'll, we'll get Elio's opinions out of this next commercial break. But it's it's matches like this that, that for everything good that that AEW does, and for as great a night as they had at Full Gear, this stuff makes me want to pull my fucking hair out. 
so with that, we'll step aside for our next commercial break, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. And, uh, yeah, this match, um, Powerhouse Hobbs, Mojo Wardlow, I'm confused by the whole thing. I'm confused by this. It's just out of, out of nowhere, he'll turn from Samoa Joe to him winning the TNT Championship because now what are they going to do? TNT and Television Championship, which the TNT is pretty much the Television Championship. Yeah, so now he has like... So you have two... That's that's double the work for you. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not, not, not that the TNT Championship is ever hardly def- defended on television anyways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just my take on this. It's just, it's a very, it was a very confusing match overall. Agreed. Uh, the, the, the next match, however, was, was not confusing. Wait, the Wardlow match, uh, what do you give this one? I give it a two. Jeez, 100% gave it a three. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this next match, I didn't care about at all. Sting and Darby Allen, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Why is Jeff Jarrett in, in AEW? And did you hear Ric Flair? Uh, no, I did not hear Ric Flair. So, uh, uh, apparently Ric Flair is taking credit for AEW hiring Jeff Jarrett because it, it, it all started with uh, Ric Flair's last match and uh, that's, that's what started off with Jeff Jarrett. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, folks. I I have a lot of appreciation for Ric Flair and what he's brought to the wrestling business. Um, like, and, but outside the, outside the ring, he's just an idiot. I'm sorry. But I mean, you know, he goes and says stuff like that, and it's like, oh, like you've never worked for AEW. And you're 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 giving you're giving yourself credit for getting a man hired because why? You're oh because your son-in-law works for AEW. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, because Jeff, people saw Jeff Jarrett on on your event when you, where you were having your last match. Uh, newsflash. Uh, Regardless of how you feel about Jeff Jarrett, he's been he's been wrestling for thirty plus goddamn years. Jesus Christ! Which and uh, well, yeah, Flu's been uh, wrestling for for uh, about forty or something years, but no, yeah. So forty something years in nineteen, because I remember the plane crash from seventy five. Yeah. But still, like, I'm sorry, in the ring, he might have been good back in the 80s, 90s, whatever. But outside the ring, he just sounds like an idiot on the mic. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, well, he, he doesn't do himself any favors. Like, he, he just doesn't sound like a smart person at all on the, when he's on the mic in front of a microphone outside of wrestling. Well, I kind of agree with you on that one. So, uh, what do you have for this match? Because, I mean, I, like I said, I just didn't care about this match at all. 
Well, here's the thing. Like, I love uh, I love Sting, and the fact that he's doing what he 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 does at his age is just abs- absurdly, ridiculously, entertainingly awesome. Yep. Like Sting has never not been awesome. I mean, if you can't call yourself a wrestling fan and not be a fan of Sting. He's just one of those guys. Um, He's like, what, 63, 64? 63, I think. Yeah. Um, Wow, wow. And he's still diving through tables. Exactly. And, you know, he he did it again, like, diving off the rail onto, like, two people um, last night. But... The, the thing is, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I love Darby, too, but I I didn't care about this match at all um, for a couple different reasons. One, um, I feel like, um, you know, it's just the fact that Jay Lethal is in this storyline with Sanjay Dutt and uh, Satnam Singh, yeah, is is just I don't get it, and I um and I I love Sanjay Dutt as a wrestler, um but this this character of his sucks. Yeah, I don't I don't know why Jay Lethal is on this position on the card. I have no idea. You're gonna have to help me. Um, I acknowledge. Um, Jared's value in, in a backstage capacity. Um, he can still cut a promo. Um, I don't give a flying fuck about seeing him in the ring anymore. And look, I when it was his time in his day, even even back in like in in the TNA days, I enjoyed his work in the ring. He was. He, you know how sad it is. They can't even give him his own music. He's using his impact wrestling theme. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I just don't, under, I, I don't understand why he's needed in an in-ring capacity when you can't find TV time for someone the quality of Ricky Starks. You, you can barely find uh, TV time for Brian Cage. Shall I go on listing names? Because I can. And then we'll be here for another two hours. Well, you know, I'm having fun. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'll have fun too. I don't know if it would serve our fans very well for us to be here for another two hours, but holy shit. <laughs> um, you know, I just don't understand why this match had to take place on the pay-per-view. Like this is one of those things where, you know, the time just drives me nuts. Now, I've I've heard some arguments that make sense on both sides, and the the one major one uh, that is um, opposite of our opinion is well, AEW only has four pay per views a year. Who cares how how long it goes? And you know, you can stay up late four times a year. I care how long it goes. I don't want to be watching a five-hour show. Yeah, I just... 
with, and with the pre-show, that's exactly what it is. And when, when you have three matches on a pre-show, um, yeah. and it's just, um, I don't, I don't need it uh, that way. And it also, I think it cheapens your pay-per-views to have all these matches on there because pay-per-views are meant for your biggest matches, for your most important storylines. Yep. Like, like that's what it's intended for. So uh, that's just my take. Um, but yeah, this this could have easily been saved for Dynamite and Rampage and been perfectly fine. Do you have a rating for this one? I'll give it a three out of respect, but that wow, I mean, wow, you know what? Hundred percent agree with you. He gave it a three. Okay. <laughs> now cool. this next match, I really enjoyed, and I'm happy. With uh, who won this match? Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. I refuse to call it the interim championship. I hate that word. Well, that's the thing. If um, if if it's an interim title, hold on. Oh, oh, we have another match. The the headphones have requested a rematch with Ben. They said, we want a rematch. And Ben's just like taking it to the headphones. He's ripping them off, showing it to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> All right, so, um, well, Ben's are taking care of that. I'll give my thoughts on this. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I'm happy that Jimmy Hater won. You know, like, now, they're a group of women. I remember from when AEW first started, Emi Sakura, Yuka Sakazaki, Jamie Hayter. Out of the names I just uh, mentioned, Jamie Hayter's the one that's still around. So uh, I'm glad that she hasn't. I want to see what the, she does with the championship. But I really hate the word interim. Like, they just need to do away with that. So there was one point in the match where the Tony Storm got busted open. She was bleeding from her mouth. Oh. And, um, is that right, Ben? Uh, what? Uh, the ble- no, the bleeding it, from the mouth part? No, no, no. Is, it your, is it the one side put the right way? Um, you're, you're, no. no, no, not that side. The other one. Well, n- no, probably not. Hold on. <laughs> I just noticed. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, technical difficulties on the show. I love it. What? Oh, shit. <laughs> I might have to cut. I might have to edit this. You know what? I'm going to leave it in for the pure entertainment of watching my co-hosts struggle with the phones and beat yeah. the crap out of them. Well, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to be gentle, but I, you know, got to get them yeah, on. But it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, no, well, yeah, so no, I missed that one part. What, what, what happened to 20 was bleeding from their mouth? Um, I... I th- let me see if I have it on the uh, 
on the review. I didn't. Um, no, because I, I, I saw it. Because I was uh, again. This was another one of those matches where I was go out going back and forth between upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. So I did watch uh, some of it, but uh, again, like I stepped away for a few, and then I came back. Uh, yeah, and um, I'm trying to see. Um, no, I I can't. I mean, I remember seeing the blood, but I, yeah, okay, um, yeah, I can't. I can't pinpoint the exact moment. Okay, so I was I was right though. Then she was, but yeah, this uh. Like I said, I enjoyed this match. I'm happy for Jimmy Hader, and I want to see what they do. But uh, you know what's weird? After this show, I yeah. read I read a, a, a article where it said Tony Khan still thinking, still uh, thinking of, about whether or not to strip Thunder Rose of the AEW Women's Championship. Well, well, th- that should have been decided a long time ago. I'm like, why are you printing this now? We have a new champion, and it's not an interim champion. It's just a champion. That's it. Yeah, and, um, you know, but I really love, I really did like this match. I love both of these, both of these ladies, um, especially uh, Tony Storm. Uh, Hater's really shown me a lot. Um, she looked good. Absolutely. Um, but, but the one thing that took away from the match for me, and I understand it to a certain extent because Hater and her group with Reba and Britt Baker, they're heels. So I, I get it to a certain degree. Um, but like there was just too much interference, um, too much bullshit going on outside. Um, towards the ending of the match, you know, and I, I feel like both of these, both of these ladies, Hater and Storm, are too good for that. I um, I really would have liked to have seen if this was going to be Hater's breakout moment. I, I would have really liked to have seen her stand on her own two feet a little bit more. Yeah. Like if 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 Reba had interfered once. Or Baker, I'm like okay, but like it was just way, it was way too overbooked at the end there, um, and it it just kind of took away from the ending for me. I got a bit of a Jimmy Hater trivia because I was I just have a wiki Wikipedia page open, so. On May uh, May fifteenth, uh, twenty nineteen, she was on an episode of NXT UK. And she, where she lost to Piper Niven. Now, here's my bit of trivia. Okay. Right now, she's part of Britt Baker's uh, group, right? Yeah. On October 23rd, 2019, she made her AEW Dynamite. And who was her first opponent in her debut match on Dynamite? Um. Oh, God. Uh, Chris Thalander? Nope. Who was it? Britt Baker. Well, that's fitting. Yeah. So, so I was just, uh, I was just looking up, uh, like, uh, more information on Jimmy Heater. 
Like AEW Women's Champion, Big League Wrestling Championship, Pro Wrestling, EVE International Champion. So she went from number 47 in PWI 100 in 2020 uh, to number 29 in, in the PWI Tag Team 50. Rev Pro and uh, World Wonder Ring started. That, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so she, she's really gr- she's really grown on me. I like her a lot. So what do you, what do you have for this one? What do you give this one? Um, I I have it as a as a very solid three. Okay. Oh, wow. Um. So we have. Fifty percent gave it a four. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, I just like like I mentioned, there were a few things holding it back for me. And the other thing too is like, I I just I don't like I didn't like uh, Storm's run as champion, and like I really love Tony Storm, and I feel like she deserved better. As champion, but I I can understand that it was time for Hater to win. She was she was right there. This is your this is your last pay per view until March. You know it. The time was now while the iron was hot. You know this is probably going to set up the eventual uh, breakup between Baker and Hater, which is going to lead to some very interesting. Uh, television in the months to come. So I'm excited. All right. So our next match, Ben, listen, it's the AEW World Tag Team Championship. The Acclaimed and versus Swerve Around Glory. Apparently they uh, split Swerve Around Glory up. Keith Lee walking out on Swerve Strickland. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think any uh, wrestling fan and AEW fan with half a P for a brain uh, could see this uh, split coming from, you know, 10 country miles away. Um, but the way that it was executed um, was phenomenal. They kind of took the slow burn approach and to do it here. Uh, in a tag team title match, and to have Keith Lee say, uh, you know, you know, I would rather do this, you know, honorably than win it with a with a partner like you and be on top. You know that that's big, and uh, I'm I think I think uh, Keith Lee and Swerve as opponents. Uh, set up a lot more possibilities for them because right now with how hot the um, the acclaimed are uh, coming out of the, really coming out of their match um, with with um, Swerve and our glory as their first match, which was at the last pay per view. Um, you know the, the, they have been scolding hot momentum wise. And there was no way in hell that they were going to lose these titles back to the uh, 
to Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. There was just no way. And as much as I hate the, uh, you know, scissor me daddy ass, that thing, uh, which I I truly despise with a passion, um, you know, I, I, I can really get behind these two guys, and I love the fact that they're, um, you know, that AEW has chosen now to focus on a homegrown talent. Um, we'll talk more about that in, in the event. Um, and I think, I think that this was just the best move for everybody all the way around. Um, and I'm very excited to see where both teams can go now that now that the best of three series has been decided. So th- this was awesome. And talking about the actual match, um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't wait for them to get in the ring because usually I usually I cringe a little bit at the acclaims reps that I find them entertaining. But t- tonight or last night, I didn't find the uh, rapping entertaining at all. They were talking about Kanye West, Twitter, and Donald Trump, so I really wasn't interested. Uh, and to do that on a pay per view, I just think you know that that was a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, trust me, you guys know that I'm not Mister Politically Correct, but I just maybe that was just not the right time to do that. Um, but talking about the, the match, um, they were really selling the Bowman's injury throughout. Um, and, uh, and he, and surprisingly, I felt like he was the guy that, um, took the majority of the punishment. Um, and uh, Lee delivered some very heavy-hitting offense. Big shocker there. Um, and um, toward the toward the ending of the match, uh, I I lost count of how many kicks to the head that Swerve delivered. But my my God! But once it be once it became a two-on-one. Uh, situation after Keith Lee left uh, because because much like uh, much like earlier on in the evening when Pac wanted um, Ray Phoenix to use the bell hammer Swerve wanted um, wanted uh, Keith Lee to use the turnbuckle wrench oh okay you know or they're they're calling them pliers, but it looks like a turn turnbuckle wrench to me. I don't. But what do I know? Um. Um. But uh, Keith Lee declined and uh, made his way to the back, and it, from that point on, it was a two point. It was a two on one assault. Uh, in the in the disfavor of Mister Strickland. Um. So this, yeah, this was definitely one of the highlights of the evening. And even though the split was telegraphed, as I said, from ten country miles away, they did. I think they did it the right way. And um, you know, the 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 match was was definitely. I don't think it was the best of of the series, but it was serviceable for the payoff. 
and we got where we needed to go. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, John Moxley versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Holy shit. I fucking loved this match. And you already know I'm a born-again devil worshiper. <laughs> yes. Well, the, I'll tell you what. The devil was Relax, paid, fans. Just the, the devil was paid his due. Oh, my God. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna um, look something up real quick. But um, but getting yes. getting into getting into this match, it was it was really interesting. Um, because you know going into this, it really seemed like um, MJF was playing the uh, the babyface role. Yeah, and um, you know. Through and throughout this entire thing, I'm like, oh well, well, there's no way that they're gonna turn him babyface. But what I what I found, so I never quite bought into that because I'm not stupid. But what I found very interesting uh, about the, the uh, new new about the uh, Newark, New Jersey audience was that they were really giving um, John Moxley the heel treatment and. Um, and MJF the babyface treatment, mm-hmm. which I understand that MJF is from uh, from Long Island, so not too far away. But um, you know, it's just um, the degree of 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 um, uh, the the degree to which Moxley was getting treated as the heel was kind of shocking because. Yeah. Moxley doesn't get that reaction very much, but um, but yeah, this this match was perfect um, for what it needed to be story storytelling wise. I'm not gonna go through this move by move nearly as much be- because I feel like I'm talking too much already and done a little bit too much of that um, in terms of going to through the moves, um, but. Um, but the big selling point here, I was absolutely right about the uh, William Regal heel turn. Yeah, that was surprising. Hyde. Well, not to me. Okay. And absolutely not to me. No, I no, no, the, no. The way, the way, the way it, uh, the way it took place, though. Oh, I thought it was masterful, and I saw it coming a mile away because you know. From all of their, you know, promo work with each other, you know, and the emotional storytelling between the two of them, from the first promo that they had together, um, talking about MJF and Regal, I'm like, Regal's gonna turn. But but see, the the only drawback, uh, storyline wise, of this of this. Of this uh, match, and I'm I'm not complaining because I don't like the the firm anyway. But the firm was so heavily involved in the build up to this, and then they weren't involved at all in 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 the actual match. So it it was just I so I'm not complaining because I don't give a shit about the firm outside of Soakley Hathaway, 
who is fucking amazing. Uh, really, you're, you're, are you a fan of Sylvie Hathaway? Yeah, I am. I don't know. I just don't get the character. That, that's me. I'm just, I've just never really been a, a big fan. Um, but it's, um, you know, but it, it was definitely time, you know, MJ. Yeah. We knew that the, the crowning of the king was coming, and, and it was it was the right time, the right place. And see the press conference afterwards? Yes, and as a matter of fact... And that's how you do a press conference, media scrum. Yeah, take take notes, John. Or take notes, uh, CM yeah. Punk. Yeah. Jesus Christ! So let's talk. Let's talk about the promo because I want to. I want to read this to, to to our audience just in case they missed this. Okay. Because I I wa- I watched this part live. I didn't watch the rest of the scrum because I didn't really care. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted to catch uh, you know MJS immediate comments, and he did not disappoint me. So let me read this to you because I was laughing my ass off. Okay. He he said, and I quote, AEW is now destination television once again. The ship has been steered properly once again. This belt is now the most important belt in in this entire sport, and it's thanks to three letters, and it damn sure ain't AEW. I know for a motherfucking fact it ain't MOX. It's MJF. God damn you people are fucking dumb. No offense. You had sympathy for the devil? What are you fucking stupid? You morons. You morons. You morons bit on every single word I had to say this past couple of months, huh? I want to earn it. I want to fuck that. I deserve it because I'm the best wrestler in the fucking world and every single one of you know it. On the microphone, in the ring, nobody can touch me. That's a fact. Nobody is on my level. And then, to think you guys still believe me when I put over this motherfucker talking about Tony Khan this past Wednesday, grow the fuck up. No offense. Grow up. Now, let's talk a little bit, huh? MJF, what's going on with you, Regal? You know, we're all really interested. What's going on? How'd that link-up start? You think I'm going to tell you dumb motherfuckers, huh? With 70,000 fucking hardcore marks watching at home, jerking off in their grandma's basement? And I'm in my own office, so thank you very much, MJF. Um... To, to my velvet voice, you think I give a shit? If you want to know anything about the most important man in professional wrestling, you have to tune in to the MJF show. It's every Wednesday on TBS, and you know damn well that it's Destination TV. Now, here's what's going to fucking happen, okay? I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to get all, all of Mosley's disgusting hepatitis A through Z all <laughs> <laughs> and then in the morning I'm going to do what nobody else on this roster does because I'm the only real fucking star here I'm going to hop on a jet and I'm going to go to my goddamn movie set yes. anybody got any questions just kidding thank you fuck you bye 
Champ's fucking out, baby. I love this fucking guy. Let me just tell you. I I finally converted my co-host, which was a very proud achievement of mine. Uh, and, and this promo encapsulates why. Yep. This, this guy is, is a master. And to, and to think he's only 26 and he's this good. I mean, this this guy is going to be scary good. Give him a couple of years. This guy is fucking scary. I can't wait to watch his movie. comes out uh, in next year. Uh, what, what, when, what movie is that? It is called The Iron Claw. It is the story of the Von Erics. Oh, cool. Okay, we have less than a minute, so we're going to go into commercial, come back, and uh, give our final thoughts, and we got wrestling roulette, and then we're going to close out the show. Very good. All right, so um, that's all we have for the uh, match itself. Yes? Yeah. All yeah, right, sir. so what do you give this one? Um, I, I give it a four. Yeah, Honestly. and uh, the audience agrees with you. They give it a four as well. Overall, this pay-per-view... What do you give it? It wasn't as bad as the build. The build was terrible, but the pay-per-view itself, I gave it like a B. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a solid B. Yep, I 100% agree. And now you said you have notes uh, about the pay-per-view. Yes, I do. Um, oh, there we go. So, uh, once again, this is according to uh, Dave Meltzer. Oh, God. Who seems to be the guy in professional wrestling. I don't oh. uh, really understand why, but nonetheless. Um, so, the event apparently had a final gate of 1 million... Uh, 1,040,000, I'm not really sure what that means. Um, so just over a million. Also, the event was announced as a sellout, um, but it came up just shy of one by about 600 seats. And, um, and, and it, it was, um, Let's see here, because I'm just trying to... Yes, during last night's scrum, Tony Khan said that early projections for uh, buys for for, um, full gear look similar to All Out, which took place on September 4th. Um, He said that the show did about 140,000 pay-per-view buys this this was full gear uh in, in comparison to last year's event which drew about 155,000 so um apparently they didn't expect this show to do better than last year's full gear which which isn't really surprising given the controversy and all the bullshit that's gone on so but you know, consider, considering that and considering the fact that, you know, on this show, you know, we've been fairly harsh on AEW lately, and I think for good reason. Um, you know, I have, I have to say that, that this 
particular show did impress me, and I'm I'm actually glad that I spent the money to uh, purchase this pay per view because originally, folks, I'm like, oh god, I, I'm not really sure I want to get this pay per view, but I really should for the purpose of this podcast because you know, in in order to in order to do a a, a show like this, you have to be able to talk about it in detail. So I feel like I should get as many pay-per-views as I can to do my job correctly. And with WWE, that's easy because like a peacock, but you know, but with, um, you know, AEW, sometimes you have to make some difficult choices. Um, But I think I made the right one and I'm excited to see, um, what comes next? Like I said, we got a lot of time before the next one comes up in March. That's Revolution. On March 5th from the Chase Center in San Francisco. Yes. Uh, AEW is moving to the West Coast. So that'll be uh, that'll be exciting. And um, like I said, hopefully this will be a, a new chapter for them. I think, I think hopefully we're getting through the toughest chapter that they've ever had. Uh, in their history, and um, and you know, I really want AEW to do very well um, yeah. because I think I have thoroughly enjoyed their product by and large over the last three years, and um, I hope to continue that trend. So good on it, good on Tony Khan and company, and good on the talent for for delivering and. Uh, Mick Jagger would be proud of you, MJF, because you, sir, the devil did deliver last night. Good work. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, so now we're going to move on to our final segment. Where our, our, yeah, final segment, there's only two here. So, Wrestling Roulette, Ben's favorite segment. And that way it works. I play 21 themes, 10 seconds, and... Ben has to guess which wrestler that theme belongs to. We have new rules in place. I figured things out. Anytime an AEW or an Impact Wrestling theme shows up the rotation, you can either take a guess or you can pass if you don't know it. Okay. But I won't remove any points. Okay. All right. So are you ready for your first one? Hold on. Yes, sir. Very good. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Uh, Fallen Villains? No, that is Bea Priestley's AEW theme. Oh, well, no wonder I didn't know it. Shit, all right. That's all right, here we go. I, I never get that one, and I always – you people are probably like, why do you never learn? You get this one every week now. You but, know what? I bet they, they don't even know who this guy is. I know I don't. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess and say, am I smooth? Am I smooth? Yes. I, I, still, I still don't know who that is, though. So. You know what? I'm going to look this up offline. I got it because uh, – yeah. Okay. Here we go. Track three. 
Gene Snitsky. That is terrible. I'll, I'll tell you what, folks, you couldn't get away with punting babies today. <laughs> even, if it, even, if it is, even if it is a doll. You'll get you, you one of these people saying, oh, no, that we, we no, we, we got to, we got to, we got to do something about that. I don't approve of that segment. No one cares. <laughs> exactly. Okay, here we go. Track four. Hit row. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, folks, uh, at least in my opinion, they are really not hitting in this second run with the company. And I, I really, I really feel bad for them. Um, But without without swerve, something is missing. That band desperately needs a new frontman because. Much like Mick Jagger, they are they are just not the same. Rolling Stones wouldn't be the same without Mick Jagger. Hit Row is not the same without Swerve. Well, they they won't get Carmelo Hayes. Uh, he not with the the, his, the way he thinks. Well, well, I don't know what that means, but the, but the but no, the, I mean uh, like uh, he said he won't. He, I, I already told you, he said he won't uh, move up to the main roster unless he can bring Trick with him. Well, I, well, I think I think if that's the case, he's holding an anchor to his foot. That, that's why I said, like, uh, it'll, it'll never be Carmelo Hayes with the, the way he thinks. Like, he, he thinks he needs Trick by his side. He doesn't. I don't know why he doesn't get that. Well, I mean, I, if, if it's out of loyalty, I can respect that, but that doesn't change the fact that, I, in our opinion, uh, Trick is the anchor to Carmelo Hayes. And even outside of Trick, I think um, Carmelo's talents are going to carry him well past hit row. Yep. All right, track five. Are you ready? Yep. It is indeed fight night, and that is Seamus. Seamus, yes. You are Unfor- the four. Unfortunately, I can't do it nearly as well as Pat McAfee, so I don't even try. <laughs> All right, track six. And this this is not Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley, trying to break uh, uh, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> oh, five to six. All right, here we go. Jack seventy. Yep. Uh, pass. That is the first time that we've had this one on the show. That is Solo Sokoa. Oh, I'm sorry, Solo. Please don't send Roman after me. (laughs) Uh, I didn't even hear that. 
Ready? Let me play it again. Luger? No, it is not. That is Zaya Lee. Oh, well. That's her NXT theme. When's the, okay, well, I don't watch NXT, so okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right, you know, track nine. Early Triple H. Yes. And you know what? I kind of like that theme. Yeah. All right, here we go. Oh, God. I'm going to kick myself. But, um... Um... I don't, I don't know. Pass. That is Triple H, corporate player. Okay, well, I wouldn't have gotten that one. So. All right, so track 11. Are you ready? Yeah. How am I supposed to get anything out of that? I don't know. You know what? I'll add another 10 to that. Just, uh, or another 5. Which one? Uh, give me another 5. All right. Okay. Still, still, I, I still couldn't get anything out of that. Pass. Okay, so that is Joe Coffee. All right, well, I wouldn't have got that either because NXT UK is... So I uh, said I said track 11. This is track 11, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, only because uh, uh, one of the numbers got deleted from here. So, okay, track 12, here we go. Okay. Andrade Cien Almas. No. Uh, the Shooting Stars? It is La Facción Ingobernables. Well, they're, they're not in. Okay. I wouldn't have got that anyway. But, but don't worry, because I told you I, I'm not taking points off. Oh, okay. Very good. If you, if AEW Impact is in here, you you can simply pass if you don't know it. Okay, very good. All right, track thirteen. God. Oh God, I suck at this game lately. Um. Pass. That is Cameron Grimes. Oh man, that's yeah. Right. I wouldn't have got that one. Oh shit! Here we go for the next one. Track fourteen. Uh, 
I have no idea. That is Omos. Okay, well, I'm I'm happy as fuck that I missed that one. Should we? You know what? I have an idea. And and if not, it's perfectly fine. But but should we add Omos to the list that we're not going to count just because he sucks? To the, you want to add him to the band list song with Tommy Dreamer? Yes. All right, we can do that. Sure. <laughs> and, and even on the other show, we never get Omos in the rotation. It, well, good for good reason, I think. <laughs> okay. So that doesn't count by that. It's track 14 or 13, I believe. That was, uh, that, I think that was track 14. Yeah, 14, okay, right. Because uh, it was Joe Coffee, then Cameron Grimes, then Omos, okay. Yeah. Track 15, here we go. Kane. Kane. All right, track 16. Nope. That is Jamie Hayter. That is terrible. They gotta change that. They <laughs> gotta fucking... These teams are bad. Who the... Who comes right, up well, with these? Well, AEW doesn't count, so that's fine. Alright, track 17. the slightest clue my brother that is the new blackjacks so that was uh Bradshaw and Barry Barry Wyndham or Barry Wyndham and I had to look this up because I didn't even know myself whose theme this was oh well lucky me (laughs) alright track 18 here we go God damn, this that's less sucks. I don't know. That is Simon Dean. Okay, I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> All right. All right, track nineteen. Christian. Christian, yes. Okay, track twenty, you ready? Yes, sir. It's a new day. Yes, it is. It's a new day. No, it's not. (laughs) All right. Yes, new day. Okay, here we go. Last one. Are you ready? Yes, sir. I haven't the slightest fucking clue. 
That is Jeff Hardy. Well, I wasn't caught that anyway. It's okay. I can I can play a little bit of it for you right here. You, you'll notice it as soon as he starts. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually like this song. This one's pretty good. Yeah, he's a multi talented guy. I can't um, you know, it's a it's a shame about his long standing issues. Alright, so your final score, nine. Well that's not as bad as usual. So you're nine and twelve. Alright. Well, we'll shoot for better on Tuesday. And um, while, I, while I still have y- your attention, um, so on Tuesday we'll do um, we'll do SmackDown because that was that was pertinent to Survivor Series. And then SmackDown, um, SmackDown from what from this past Friday? Yeah. Okay. Because that was pertinent to Survivor Series, um, and then um, and then. We'll do Raw and then Survivor Series Productions. All right, very good. So that's Tuesday. We will have SmackDown from this past Friday, Monday Night Raw, and the Survivor Series 2022 predictions. And, of course, Wrestling Roulette. And, uh, Ben, you said you're not going to be here um, after that, I believe, right? Right. So so we're going to be back. Um, the we'll be back on the air the following Tuesday after that. All right, very good. So we see bring the show to a close. Very good. All right, so that is it. Another edition of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. I'm Elio. He's Ben. We 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 will be back on Tuesday night. Until then, Ben, say night to the fans. Good night, fans, and thanks for sticking with me. I know I talk too much, but, you know, it's AEW pay-per-view, and I felt like I had to do a job for you.